0: I'll be honest with you I have, I have a lot to unlearn about doing ministry and a lot of things that are kind of taught of how church goes and services goes and ministry goes that takes a lot of it takes a lot of faith it takes a lot of risk um, I, f- I feel like today is one of those times where the lord is, is changing gears on me at the last minute yeah and um God has such a heart. I appreciate Sa- Sasha's sensitivity, especially to, to the, 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 the ladies, the women, the daughters. That's the term I hear, the daughters here from the heart of the Lord. I was going to be speaking from, I don't know, like Luke somewhere. <laughs> um, we're not, we're actually going to go to Mark 5 because there's an incredible story in there and I just I heard the Lord say that he wants his daughters... To be reminded of some truths. Um, I just want to share some a little bit from this story of Jesus' ministry. And you okay there, Brian? <laughs> Beautiful. You got it. You can sit for a little bit. All right. <laughs> um, I, I, I love to read. The story of Jesus and his ministry on earth. You know, I love to see how he was just everything I want to be. You know, he was strong at the right times, he was fierce at the right times, he was bold at the right moments, but he was so compassionate all the time and gentle at the right time. He heard the hearts of people. He spent so much time with the Father. So much time with the Father. Even when it was inconvenient, he would go and just spend hours with the Father. He knew what his mission was and he was not to be taken off track. And I love to see how he responds to needs because I know that he has the same heart for me and for you. About here is the same one who is living and reigning and ministering on the earth in the person of the Holy Spirit. So maybe like if if we can, the more we understand who Jesus is and his heart for us, that helps so much to deal with just some of this stuff that's there. You know, it was... Uh, I think we had a word earlier um, when we were praying before the service starts about some debilitating anxiety. We just felt like the Lord wanted to heal and to address that. Um, so, can I just share with you a little bit from this story in Mark chapter five? And let's just ask the Lord to kind of show us maybe something in it. it it's it involves two it involves two daughters, and in a society like the first century Palestine. The the, the females of the culture, there was no such thing as an equal rights amendment. There were no equal rights. They were second class citizens. And to see how Jesus ministers to two daughters from vastly different backgrounds, vastly different circumstances, vastly different needs. What does Jesus do? He comes in. And he just does what he does best. He meets needs, you know. He restores. He heals and he empowers. And very rarely is it just a a physical healing thing for Jesus. He knows that, boy, sometimes there's more that's needed. And there's more that's needed for you and I. We pray for physical healings. We've got some here on my phone, some words that we want to give um, in a little bit. We believe in that. We know those are real needs. But we also know that sometimes there are things beneath the surface Need needed. So, this is a story. And my little heading, you know, the Bible, you ever have headings like above the section? It's not really in the Bible, like the, the writers of this put it in there. My heading says, A dead girl and a sick woman. That sounds like a really bad short story, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, it's like, wow, this is going to be encouraging. So, I want to tell you about a dead girl and a sick woman, right? But they're both, so listen to this. When Jesus said again, crossed over by, and by the way, they got it up there good, sorry. I'm throwing these curveballs at you guys. All right, Jesse, I appreciate it, man. You're on it. When Jesus said again, crossed over by the boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers, y'all say rulers, named Jairus, came there. He's a ruler of the synagogue. He's like, you know, one of the, the, the established religious leaders of the town, Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. Y'all, this is my greatest fear in life right here. My greatest fear is losing one of my children. I have panic whenever the, temp- whenever the thermometer goes over 102, 103. I admit this to you. I it does. It's like an irrational fear of something happening to my kids. I, I, I really struggle with that. You know, so immediately I'm like, I'm... I kind of want to skip over this part. I don't want to settle here in this reality of what this father is going through. Obviously, he's desperate. Obviously, he did all the normal measures that a father would do, you know, medicine or treat them or do whatever you can do and, you know, maybe call for the, the, the physician there in town. If a ruler of the synagogue is going to Jesus, it's probably a last-ditch effort because whatever you're doing isn't working. My little daughter is dying. It's a strong word. But he's right; she is. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. And that's awesome faith. He knows it. He knows Jesus' reputation. He just says, "Look, God, all you got to do is come and put your hands on her." He doesn't say maybe she'll be healed. He doesn't say if you can. He says, "Come and do it," and here's going to be the outcome of that. So this dad has great faith already. So Jesus went with him. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome to be that father and to know, you know, maybe that Jesus was out, you know, on one story, but who knows? Maybe he was afraid that he couldn't find Jesus. Maybe he was afraid that Jesus was out, you know, on one of his extended fasts like he's done, you know, but he finds Jesus and he asks Jesus and Jesus says, let's go. That's so awesome. That's so beautiful. It's what I want to happen whenever I cry out to God. I want to hear God say, okay, let's go. Don't you, whenever you pray for something, don't you want to just see God moving and see God changing things? And just imagine Jairus' excitement and the sense of relief that washes over him. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Okay, let's go, Jesus, let's go. And they make their way. And there's such a hope and there's such an optimism. So Jesus went with him. But this is where it gets really difficult. That's the first daughter right there. A large crowd followed and pressed around, and they want to see this. We want to see what happens. We know Jairus. We know his family. We know how sick this girl has been. And we have also know what Jesus can do. So we're about to see something awesome, right? We're going to see a miracle. We're going to witness it. And a woman was there, who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Y'all say 12 years. That's a long time. We know later on in the story that that's the age of this young girl, Jairus' daughter. So the whole time that she's been alive, this woman has been suffering with hemorrhaging, bleeding, nonstop. Twelve years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, And had spent all that she had. So if she had care from many doctors, and she spent all of her money, what can we infer from that? She was probably a woman of means. She probably had a good bit bit of resources to go to many doctors and to, to track all this down, but nothing was working. Instead of getting better, she grew worse. How do you guys feel when that happens? When the situation doesn't get better, when the diagnosis doesn't get better, when finances don't get better, and the more that you cry out, the more that you go and you seek, that just gets worse, right? How heartbreak, how frustrating is that? When she heard about Jesus, so just like Jairus, she hears about Jesus. And she knows that he's right here. But look at what she does. Jairus's approach is coming to him publicly. She's not going to do that. We don't even know her name. She's a nobody. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. This is such a crazy story right? Like, this violates all the, all the logical laws of how healing is supposed to happen, you know? Like, if I were to, like, counsel this woman on getting healing, I would say, okay, listen, we need to go to Jesus. He needs to anoint you. He needs to put his hand on you. You know, you just, you need to build up all the faith that you can, right? You need to claim, you need to claim this healing for your own, right? And this woman just, like, breaks. She doesn't even want to see Jesus, Y'all, listen to that. She doesn't even want to talk to him. She could care less about being a disciple. She could care less about having a conversation with him. She has one consuming need. I've got to get better. And she sneaks up behind Jesus. He's busy talking and doing other things. She sneaks up behind him and just casually reaches over. And grabs a hold what I believe is one of the corners of his talit, his prayer shawl. Those four little sewn corners that represent the authority of that person. As if no one is going to know. As if she can get her healing and go on her way. That's what she wants. To be honest, that's what sometimes you and I want. Right? God, just give me what I need. Don't make this more complicated. Don't make me come up to the front here. Don't make me go find somebody to pray with me for prayer counseling. Just Can't you just do what I need to do? And it says, immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. (laughs) It gets weirder, though. Listen to this. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. You know, you ever notice like sometimes whenever you're like in a you know, building like this and you, there's like a power surge somewhere in the grid where we are, and all of a sudden the lights will kind of dim slightly for a couple seconds? You know what I'm talking about? You know, like this kind of thing. That's, it's, like, it's like Jesus sensed something leaving his body. He felt like this pull of, of, of electrical power, healing power coming out of him. He felt it. He's like, wait a minute. What? Wait a minute. I didn't pray for anybody. I didn't touch anyone. What happened? And he looks around. He says, who touched my clothes? And the disciples were crowding around him. Or the, the, the disciples answered, Jesus, look, everybody's here. Come on. There's like a 100 people all pressing in to, for you to bless them. And you're asking who touched your clothes? Who hasn't touched your clothes? Everybody's touched your clothes, but Jesus seems to say, "Yeah, but this one is different." A lot of people are touching me, but not a lot of people are touching me in faith. Somebody did that. Somebody reached through and got a hold of my heart in faith. Who was that? The disciples begin to look around. Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. This poor woman this poor woman, this, this poor woman, she, like, she wants to like crawl away, right? There's nothing worse than being an introvert and being called out public. How many of you are I am, right? There's like nothing worse than being called out publicly. You know, like for something, especially something that you're not really sure you should have done. In fact, she shouldn't have done it because she was ceremonially unclean. She should not have reached out and touched anyone, especially a rabbi as high and esteemed as Jesus. And she's about to get castigated publicly in front of everyone. And this woman is like, you know, trying to sneak out of the way, get to hide behind people, Jesus is looking around for her. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear. Y'all say trembling with fear. She doesn't know Jesus. She's about to. And told him the whole truth. Listen what he says to her. What does he call her? He says, daughter. Daughter. Your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. I wonder if that's an even greater healing is this restoration of identity, this restoration of family. You've been rejected for so long. You need to know you're a daughter, you're a daughter of the king. Don't be afraid anymore. It's so beautiful to see that. And I wonder if some of us, that's like where we are too, you know? We don't feel worthy of being loved by God. We don't feel worthy of being especially healed by God, right? all the stuff we've done, we feel like all of our resources have been spent, we're tired, we've been this road, we've done this, been to every prayer conference in the world, but still not getting any better. And look what Jesus says to us. And the whole time, looking on, is this other father, though. And I bet Jairus is a good man. But undoubtedly, his anxiety begins to rise during all of this episode. Looks at his clock that, watch, that hasn't been invented yet. (laughs) All right, Jesus, look, come on, we gotta go. Yeah, I know there's a lot of people, Jesus, but we gotta go. You told me you would do this, come on. You told me you would help, come on, Jesus. Look, I know, can't you just like, you know, give a blanket blessing to all these, can't you just like throw a bunch of healing out their way? Do you really have to stop? What about my need? What about my daughter? Hurry. Hurry, God. And while Jesus was still speaking, while he's talking to the daughter, here come the friends. And he sees them coming. Jairus sees them out of the corner of his eye. And he knows in a moment something is wrong. He knows in a moment by the look on their faces, by the countenance, by the way they carry themselves, this is bad news. And they say, your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. And in that moment, he has a decision to make. Do I trust what Jesus has said? Or do I trust what they say? And the two are at odds right now. They weren't before, but things are different now. Do I trust what Jesus said, that he would do something, that he's going to come with me? Or do I trust what they said and say, sorry, I'm not going to bother you, God, anymore. You let me down. I'm not going to bother with you anymore. What do I choose to do? And in that moment, he makes a decision. This is ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, "Don't be afraid, just believe. That's the choice. Don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe." Jairus, do you fear or do you believe? So they go on their way. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. Sometimes faith is so contradictory to what we see reality being. So Jesus was probably doing a couple things here. He was speaking very true. In one sense, she was very much asleep. That's what death is. So he wasn't lying to them. But on the other hand, Jesus was doing something on purpose to try to sort of to avoid this large public commotion that's, that would inevitably come with healing and raising someone from the dead. So he kind of like gives this like double meaning word to them. The ones that want to understand will understand. The ones that don't will not. But they laughed at him. And after he had put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were there with him, and they went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, come up. Immediately the girl stood up and walked around. He gave strict orders not to let him out about healing delayed and the pain that comes with that. Why God doesn't come right away, why he doesn't answer right away, why when we see things getting better, they only seem to get worse. And I think in this case, it's because the delay brings a greater glory. Healing someone, that's amazing. Raising someone from the dead, that's something different altogether. and all this works out for a greater glory and a greater story honestly for Jairus two totally different daughters two different situations two different needs both of them though addressed by Jesus meeting them where they are meeting them what they meeting the needs that they have the most My sense is that many of us sort of fit into one of those two situations quite often. Honestly, I find myself sometimes I want, sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm that the woman, the unnamed woman. I'm tired and I'm frustrated and I'm out of options and I just wish Jesus would just give me what I need so I can be about my business but he's got a different agenda because there are things that he needs to heal in my heart maybe that I don't even know about. But don't miss the role of action and faith here either. She could have easily have given up. You could easily give up now on whatever situation you're in. You could easily quit and say God doesn't care, it's not going to happen. I've had this for 12 years. I've faced this for Whatever it is, fill in the the blank. There's something about Jesus that inspires faith. Even if it's a little misguided. Here's the good news. God honors it. God honors faith. Even if it's a little self-serving at times. God honors it. Or maybe I find myself in the position of Jairus, who is, you know, for all intents and purposes, he's done the right thing. He's a leader of the synagogue, he's helping the people, he's a spiritual leader in the community. His daughter's sick, and he comes to Jesus, and he asks, and he receives, and he's following Jesus, and all of a sudden there's a delay, and nothing nothing you can do but wait. He could get mad and go on home. All you can do is wait and trust that God has greater glory and a greater story for you. Don't be afraid, just believe. All right, so that's it. That's just some thoughts I've got on that. Um, I want to pray for, I want to kind of share some some words of knowledge here, and we're going to do some ministry time. Got a few minutes left of this. Jesus is here. He is. You don't have to press through a crowd. You don't have to fight your way to him. He's immediately accessible. That's the good news. The bad news is he may not do what you want when you want it. But you can trust his heart. Jesus, we just look to you, Lord. I'm thankful, Lord, that you restore the broken. You call daughters back to yourself. Restore what's been lost, what's been taken. You wake up those who are sleeping and raise those who have been dead. You did it then, you're doing it now. So, Father, we choose to not be afraid and we choose to believe in whatever circumstance that we are walking through. We know that you have not forgotten about us. Increase our faith, Lord. Increase our confidence. Increase our boldness to reach out and to touch and to receive, Lord. Amen. Read some, um, some words of knowledge that we have here. This is what we do at King's Church. We, we practice healing and ministry almost at every service, right? Try to, because we believe that when we read the word, it also demands a response. And God's here to minister to us. So if we can pray for you uh, for any specific situation, um, maybe you're somewhere on your spiritual journey and you're wanting to take some steps forward, glad to talk to you about that and pray for you about that. If you need a, a, a healing from the Lord for something, if you've got financial need or job situation or relationship situation, we'll be glad and pray for you about that up here at the front. We've got some, some of our prayer team that'll do that with you. Um, but we also ask the Lord before the service starts to Share with us some specific things that he wants to do. And it gets very specific. <laughs> Sometimes weirdly so, right? Um, so I've, I've got just four of these. And if, that's, if one of these connects with where you are, we believe the Lord wants to, to touch that. Uh, one of them is a, heal, is a physical need. It says pain and migraines in the left side of the face. Uh, related to sinusitis. I will heal you, says the Lord. Second thing is, the Lord says, I will heal heal nearsightedness. Another one, uh, a spirit of fear is on someone. The Lord says, I will remove it. And finally, the Lord says, I'm settling affairs. Just wait on me. We also had a word earlier about debilitating anxiety. I'm going to lift that up and pray for you as well. All right, guys, got some worship for us. Hey, y'all stand up. I want to, if we can just kind of worship together and and minister together. um, You know, I guess you don't have to stand up. If you want to, you can. I'm not going to tell you to do that. If you want to sit and pray and worship, you can as well. Do whatever the Lord wants you to do. It's okay. But in a couple minutes, in a few minutes after we've kind of moved through a worship time and some ministry time, I'll, I'll release those of us that need to go. Let's press in, though. Let's press in and touch the Lord, touch his heart. See what God wants to do.